up, you guys? Welcome to the Players Club. Whether it's your first time, you're joining back with us again. I'm Gary Richer. This is a podcast by the players for the people. And here we are with week three at the Players Club. Here we are recapping week two. Here's some thoughts. We uh, I played, played our first home game this past weekend against South Carolina State. Here's an interesting fact off the top. You would, not, you would never know this unless you know some of this stuff, but South Carolina State Bulldogs have more Hall of Famers than Clemson football. And so that was one of the stats that was put in front of us this weekend because obviously every week in college football, there's big teams that are supposed to win games that don't happen. Just look at this past week. Uh, I'm not going to say any names, but I will give my boy Zaire Cooper some credit, former Clemson guy who had a big win uh, this weekend against Florida State with a team that wasn't supposed to win. And so for us, like you go into a game like that, the coaching strategy on our end is like, hey, like don't overlook any opponent, uh, play to a standard. Because when, when you start to overlook opponents, you get beat by teams that shouldn't beat you on paper. But the game's not played on paper. Yeah, week two, we played South Carolina State at home. It was our first home game uh, with packed stadiums in two years, which is, man, if at Clemson, we miss the fans because that's what makes the atmosphere what it is. 80,000 people rocking with you, a sea of orange running down the hill, and it's like everybody is just tuned in, yelling. It's it's incredible. You tune in, that uh, you've been you were at games. Thank you for coming back. We miss you guys so much. And just in regards to the pack stadiums, looking back, I and all the guys who were part of last season went through one of the weirdest abnormal years of college football. And just getting the vibe these first two weeks of college football, I'm gonna go on record and say this would be the most appreciated season of college football because we we. We knew what it was like to not have it, and I think we took it for granted. And now we have everybody back. This thing's rolling. College football is is at play, and it's the best thing ever. So I think this will be the most appreciated season of college football, and I can't wait to see how the year unfolds. It's been it's been a breath of fresh air to be back in normalcy. So yeah, like I said, this weekend we played South Carolina State. Uh, had a had a really big really good game. We won big. And in games like that for us, it's a it's a time to develop our team. You want the guys who run out there first to really do their job. So it gives guys that are either maybe redshirt or guys that don't play a lot that deserve, deserve the right to play. You get them opportunity to finally play. Certain coaches will allow the, the playing roster to dress out, but the rest of the guys will have to sit in the stands with the fans. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Like you, you just, you would never know that stuff unless you're in it. Like a lot of guys, other schools, big time schools don't get to dress out. They'll sit in the stands with the entire crowd, with their family. They'll come to the game. You would never know they're on a team. But they practice every day, show up to the lifts, and probably on scout team. And so I think it's so cool that Coach Lee allows so many guys to dress out. And then when, it, when we're able to, he tries to put everybody in the game. And it's so cool uh, because you see guys in there like at Clemson, like on the field. And it's, it's so cool for those guys to play in front of their families and in an atmosphere like no other. It was a crazy week in college football. Like, you guys watched so many so many good games on this weekend. But I want to give a shout out to my guy Zeb Nolan down in South Carolina. We had him on last week at the Players Club. Uh, his second win from grad assistant to coach, 2-0. So shout out to him, man. If you haven't watched the episode, go back and watch it. He's got the crazy story in college football. But coming up next, Kirk Herbstreit, college football royalty. And I got to be honest, when all this NIL stuff dropped during the summer, when I figured out I want to do a podcast or broadcasting type of thing, he's one of the first guys I called. I played with one of his sons, so I was able to have a little relationship there. But anyways, guys, we're going to talk about all that and more with our conversation coming up next. You don't want to miss it here at the Players Club. Players Club, uh, here we are with guest Kirk Herbstreet, college football, legacy, legend, all the above. Glad to have you on the show, my man. Hey, great to be with you, man. 
This is pretty cool. It is, man. Uh, I know we talked, so we had a conversation back in the summer. That I want to get, I want to get started doing this broadcasting, sports, all of the above, and trying to get my reps in. So here's my here's my take at it. Here's my shot. That's good. I, like I said, the, um, I I got into this by chance. Uh, I was a business major at Ohio State and thought I would just get a, a job. You know, when I when I the NFL wasn't in my future, I just thought I'd be a like a pharmaceutical sales rep, or there was a company called uh, Worthington Industries. And I was interviewing with all these companies and ready to take a job. And then a local radio station offered me a job for, for $12,000, which was significantly less money than, than these normal traditional jobs. And I grew up listening to talk radio. And I just said, man, I'm not ready to grow up and be like a real adult yet. I, I'm going to do this radio, radio thing. And, um, I didn't have any of these kind of reps. I didn't have any of this kind of vision the way you do. So I, I applaud you for doing this. I wish if I could go back, it'd be such a different path for me. Um, it's obviously worked out okay for me, but, but I didn't, uh, my, my reps were doing interviews with the media. That, that was probably the way I, I got experience, but this is, this is phenomenal for you. I guarantee you remember this interview right now and how you feel. And if you keep doing this, Fast forward a year from now and just wait until how different, how much, <clears throat> how much more confident, how much more you understand from just not having experience from doing it. So, yeah, you'll be, this is awesome. You're doing this. And like you said, you said you didn't want to grow up. I'm not trying to grow up either. That's why I came back for another six years. So uh, here we are. Um, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions uh, just to get, get into some stuff. Um, so basically, it's Texas right into NIL. Um, obviously, you're an ambassador of college football. You've seen the the landscape of college football. Uh, be aware, this was never a thought, and it's now be become a reality for, for us. What do you think about it? Just like first thoughts. And obviously, you have a son that's playing with me at Clemson. You have a son that's playing Ohio State. Uh, so you got some personal ties into it. So what, what are your thoughts about NIL? I think it's, you know, I, I wasn't one of these guys that was like, you know, jumping up and down saying, about time, about time. I was one that was like, let me understand it. You know, what what exactly is it? Um, how can the players benefit from it, but at the same time not be taken advantage of it? Um, so I was a little bit slower to just throw my hat into the ring. Um, I'm still honestly just kind of observing. I think we're like seven or eight weeks into this. I'm still just kind of watching and seeing um, how players are, are uh, utilizing it and how they're taking advantage of it. And I think so far from everything that I've seen, first of all, I'm all for players getting opportunities and, and trying to maximize them. I'm not for, and there's always going to be this segment, I'm not for sketchy adults who are trying to make money off of players whom players don't understand. Like I, I wouldn't have known when I was a college kid and everything was paid for, for being on a scholarship and all of a sudden, now I can make whatever it is, $1,000, $1,500, 2000 5000 $100,000, whatever you make. You know, you got, say, make you, that number a little up. I know some guys that are- Yeah, I mean, a million dollars, whatever it is, $5 million, whatever you want to make. But, but, but sometimes we don't understand half of that's not yours. Like half of that's gone. Like, and, and I didn't realize that until I started making money. You, you know, IRS takes that. Taxes are gone. Then you got to pay an agent a fee. So there's just- real life um, 
applications that I think are going to be learned, you know, either through someone, hopefully a parent, a coach, an agent, whoever it is, somebody needs to be a mentor. Um, so anyway, I, I think it's great. I just, I just want players to be smart about it and, and not lose their focus, which is about sure. lifting weights and getting better as a player. That's the whole reason NIL is approached, you know, is maybe the opportunities there for you because you're a good player. But no, I'm cool with it. I think uh, let's just be smart with it. That's all. No doubt. I think that's kind of been the, my experience too. Just there obviously a lot of opportunity out there. And, and it's, I've been in the college world, not as long as you have, but as far as a player, like a long time. And you've seen a lot of opportunities not being able to be taken, like taken advantage of. And now there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of things that guys are passionate about. They're able to monetize. And I think the, for me, it's been cool because a lot of guys I thought would go to the league. That's kind of always been a sentiment. Like guys will get their money on later. There's several guys, especially at Clemson, that have played here, and I thought they would be in the league for 10-plus years and didn't make it. And they were able to capitalize on, like, their college influence and platform. And so for me, it's been cool to see, see me and some of my friends be able to, like, kind of cash in on some of these things because you can leave with a, with a very, you know what I'm saying, head start on your future because you put in the work and all those good things. Let me give you some wisdom from a guy who's 52 that had nothing. My family didn't have any money. If I didn't get a scholarship, I would have joined the Army or the Marines or something. So I have an appreciation for a scholarship, you know, like, like I think a lot of people, what I've learned is a day doesn't go by that as I was going through local radio and then trying to get my foot in the, in, in the front door of ESPN. If I went to Muskegon college or I went to ball state or I went to Ohio Wesleyan or wherever I would have gone to play football, those doors would never have been open for me, right? So going to Ohio State, what I think NIL is, if you're not careful, and guys like you're talking about going to the league even, the only guys that make generational wealth are the guys that get that second contract that's stupid money for $100 million. The guys that get one contract, um, like C.J. Spiller, he had a nice career at, at Clemson, but – He's got to be smart with his money as good as he did, or he's not going to have any money left to pay bills. So my point is, take advantage of, see, everybody talks about the system taking advantage of the players. And that's true if you don't have your eyes open and your ears open. If you take advantage of the system, your relationship with Clemson can last you a lifetime. And I think the guys that look at it like the system took advantage of me, they didn't meet people. They didn't take the time to be polite and courteous to people and build relationships with people, why they mattered at their school. So for me, I was a solid player. I wasn't a Heisman winner. I wasn't an All-American, but I was respectful to people and I shook people's hands and I went out of my way to be gracious to people. And I, if you do that, I feel like NIL is, is short-term money. Like if you're looking at living till you're in your 70s or 80s, you're going to make a lot of money and NIL money is going to be a blip on the radar. And I know it's a big deal at 18 and 19 and 20 and 21, but the relationship with Clemson and the alumni and the boosters that run big, su su successful companies, you, if you're smart and like me at Ohio state, if I'm smart, if I play my cards right and I treat people well, those boosters and those people that run companies, they're going to want guys like you and me, working for them and their companies. And so while NIL is fun, it's a cute story, it's great. 
I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it for the 40, 50 year run. And that's way more powerful than someone sliding you a hundred bucks or someone giving you a thousand dollars or whatever it might be. So it's hard maybe to see that at this age, but as you get older, you'll realize that, that this NIL stuff is, is short term. And it's great that you guys can make a few bucks, but what you do as a person, how you represent yourself at Clemson, you're going to find that is going to open up doors for you. And if you went to another school, I don't know if that's the case. So I'm blessed every day that I went to Ohio State and it op it's opened up all these doors because there's no money I could have made in NIL that could have ever provided me what my relationship with Ohio State has me where I am currently right now. 100%. And you, you spoke on something, and that kind of leads us to the next question. You talked about the long haul, playing the long game. What is your prediction, obviously, how much college sports have changed in the last 10 years? The next 10 years – with NIL like kind of being a reality, other things kind of popping up, what are your predictions for the next 10 years of college football? 2030, what do you think it'll look like? Three things. Well, I think anytime there's change. Yeah, Darren, anytime there's change, I think most people are concerned. I mean, but we have all this change at one time. You know, we have NIL, we have Transfer Portal, we have Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. We have an alliance now with the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. There's chaos everywhere. And so everybody's just wigging out. Everybody's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? It's the, yeah, it's the end of college football. And, I, again, I try to be kind of the, the voice of the sport, you know, try to be the, the conscious of the sport, try to be the voice of reason. So, again, I, I don't move fast on anything. I'm like any – I'm human. I was like everybody else. Oh, my God, what's happening right now? You know, what, what, why are the Power Five conferences commissioners not – working together why are they divided like what's happening we need leadership we need guidance right now and i think it'll find it'll hopefully come um i would personally love to see one voice like a commissioner like roger goodell for college football that that doesn't just look that doesn't just look over the acc or the big 10 or the sec but he looks over the whole country that would be i think pie in the sky for the sport I don't know if that's reality right now. So I think these these five power conference commissioners are going to have to learn to work together. But I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to go to a power four. I think the Big 12 right now with the moves, recent moves, BYU, Houston, UCF, Cincinnati, all going to the Big 12. It kind of feels like the American plus uh, to me. It doesn't quite feel like a power five with, with some of these moves. So I, I think we're going to... We're going to eventually see a power four would be my guess with the ACC and the Big Ten and the SEC and the Pac-12. What happens to the Big 12? What happens to the American? I'm not really sure. I think they should still be involved. I'd love to see the playoff expanded, you know, 12 teams to allow other teams a chance to, to be able to participate. But maybe you can relate to this. I can't. Like Desmond and I talk about this all the time. Guys skipping bowl games and games, quote unquote, don't matter. Like that's like a virus to my computer. You know, like if you're talking about a bowl game where two six and six teams are playing, I guess maybe. But if you're talking about you're six bowl. Yeah, if you're talking about like you're at the Sugar Bowl or you're at the Fiesta Bowl or even the Outback Bowl or the Gator Bowl, like and you're playing a big time opponent, you got one more time to go out with your boys and play. I don't know. I just I just don't agree with the logic of of skipping games of any magnitude and i know that's about saving yourself but 
I don't know. I just, you guys get up at five in the morning and lift weights. You're, you know, in the winter conditioning and mat drills and all this sacrifice that, that you do. Um, I'm not, if people want to do that, that's their, that's their choice. I'm just saying we're in a very strange time in the sport when that's becoming accepted and normal that we just skip games. Right. It, it definitely, the, I feel like our generation has changed a little bit in that regard. Um, a little more self selfish. Um, and you said something, I want to ask you a serious question. Do you think there are legitimate, uh, because when you look at it, I feel like that the, it's always like four good teams. You think there's a legitimately 12 good teams that can actually play like for a time, you, you know, I, I get like the participation, which I think would be cool for fans. For yeah. Fans. I mean, honestly, the, the Clemson's, the Alabama's, the Ohio State's and all that, um, it is what it is, but it's just one game. You know, like if, if Clemson were to play on a neutral field against, I, I have no idea, you know, uh, Oregon, for example, I, I, you know, Cincinnati. I mean, who's to say, right? I mean, it's it's college football and it's, you know how the power of the mind, I mean, you've been around some of these Clemson teams where basically like, oh, we're playing Pitt at home. This will be an easy win. And you got to guard against you got to guard against that because you can get beat. Um, Ohio State this past weekend, they didn't look like they were really. I mean, Oregon came to play and give Oregon all the credit. But Ohio State, they didn't really like get. They didn't really realize, man, we better turn it on till the fourth quarter. And by then, it was too late. And so I, I don't know. I, I feel like Alabama is is kind of, and you guys have been kind of at a different level. But uh, if you get twelve, I, I I still think. Imagine number twelve. Against number because one through four we get buys, so it'd be twelve against five. So I don't know who five is this week and twelve is, but once you get by Clemson and Alabama and Georgia, it's kind of like everyone, anybody, it's it's, yeah, it's fair game. Anybody could beat anybody, really. Um, so I, I think, and I think it would just create so much juice for the sport and give everybody hope that hey, man, we're fifteen. There's two weeks to go. We still, if we win our last two and a couple teams lose in front of us, you know, we could still make it. And I think it creates that. But the one last thing I'll say is there was a time when we all played this sport and we might finish eight and three, but it was just a week in and week out competition, the love of the game. No one really, I mean, only two teams are going to a championship. No one really played because they're going to a national championship. They played because they wanted to beat South Carolina or they wanted to beat Georgia Tech or they wanted to beat whoever. It was just the competition and wanting to win was really what drove you. And a lot of times you finished eight and three or nine and two or whatever it was. And you went to, like I said, the Gator Bowl. And it was, a, if you won the Gator Bowl, it was a good year. And again, I know times change. I'm not, I don't have my head in the sand. I'm just saying, I wish we'd get back to just appreciation of competition and not, are we still in it? Do we still have a chance to play off? No, you don't. Oh, well, season's over. It's like, what? What are you talking about? And I think we've created that. We've created that. Even just seeing like our first loss um, of the season to Georgia, which I think watching the tape, you know, it goes, it's never as bad as it seems and never as good as it seems either. So wish we could go back, but we can't. I feel like it's going to be a good reason for us going forward. Just like all the lessons we learned. But through that game, people are writing our season off. Even like young guys on the team, like they don't know any different. All they see is like Clemson, we're going to playoffs. And so they read the headlines like Coach Sweeney, all of us, the leaders on the team, like, bro, we're, we're good. We're going to be fine. Like, it's a week one, top five team, and we're going to be fine. But just, like, the pressure that's been created through college sports, like, especially at our level, is if you lose a game, like, the season's worthless. Like, you shouldn't even show up next week to play. And so Coach Sweeney, we got, like, 12 other games to go play. 
I know. I mean, let's just say for, I hope you don't lose anymore, but let's just say you were stumble in another game. The, the season is not over. I mean, what's wrong with going 10 and two and going to an ACC championship and playing in that? And whether you win or you lose, like, like life goes, it's not go to a championship or the season's a, a waste. I, I just don't, I don't get that. Like, think about this. I know Clemson, that's a real goal. What do you do if you're, I don't know, Iowa every year? Should you just not play football? Because, you know, I know they're having a good year this year, but Iowa gets to eight or nine wins every year. And, you know, that not that that's their goal, but I don't know. They don't throw in the towel because, oh, well, we lost to whoever. That season's over. Like, no, 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 no. Like, you you always press on. That's That's what you learn about sports is things aren't always good. They aren't always the way you want. It's called adversity. And do not be that guy or that team that when the going is good, hey, this is fun. And then first sign of trouble, I'm going home. This isn't any fun anymore. It's like, what are you talking about? That's like the opposite of what this sport is about. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse of like today's time. Because the blessing is you're winning, you're winning games, play on the stage, and the hype is like no other. So you get blown up. To the furthest extent, and then opposite. The opposite is true too. You lose a game, or the season doesn't go as well, and the media nowadays, you know, you know how it goes. They literally write you off in an instant. Like as much love as they showed you, the next time, like the next day, you're getting every email saying you should fire the OC, the DC, fire the head coach, and it's like, dude, y'all just thought this guy was a genius two games ago. So yeah, it's the yeah. way to land. That that's that's. That's not just a Clemson. That's at Alabama. That's at Ohio, Ohio State right now. Saturday night, they're, the whole city of Columbus, the state of Ohio, wanted to fire Kerry Coombs, defensive coordinator, and it's still carrying on to this day. Uh, Brian Day went to the press conference. Are you gonna Are you gonna make a change at defensive coordinator? It's like, I mean, that's that. Like you said, that's that's part of the uh, the power of expectations, you know. But to me, we can't. We just can't give in when when things don't go well, you know, that, that can't be the answer to me. One recent question that I want to ask you about, like, so I've never been on a team, like my, my entire six years has been with the same coach. Like, how do you feel when you see a coach, like a guy, us Southern Cal get fired? Like, I just, you probably see more than I do, but just, I can't imagine those kids, how they feel. Like what goes to your mind? Like when you see something like that happen, like two weeks into the season, you fire the coach. Yep. Now in his case, he's been rumored to be fired for four years. I mean, it's been going on for a long time. And a lot of people have, have USC fans have been like, what are we doing? What for four years they've been doing that. And USC kind of stood by him, stood by him, stood by him almost to a point where, as you can see for them to make a move two weeks into a season and a first loss, that tells you that this thing's it's like a water balloon. That's just building, 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 building. And then it explodes. That's kind of what USC has been going through. Um, just think about going back to your like your freshman year. I mean, that's how long this has been going on for them. So it, when we came into this season, the you know they always say coaches on the hot seat. It would have been Jim Harbaugh at Michigan and Clay Helton at USC. I mean, those are the two guys that you know they're fans anyway. Whether it was real or not, they're fans. So how the players are handling it. Pro- you probably have some that are like, man, what just happened? Because Clay Helton's one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. That's what I've heard. Great guy. Or you might have some guys be like, hey, 
had to happen. You know, so I don't know. I'm not, I haven't spoken to anybody out there, um, but it's I'm, it's very rare to see two weeks in and a guy get let go. Yeah, it is. And, and even my thought process of like, obviously you got, we got guys at Clemson, like Coach Sweeney's coaching tree is growing. You see Nick Saban's coaching tree. And it is a big, like you want to go to a big time school, but you also run the risk of like, they might not give you but two years to, re, to change around a program. So like, what are your thoughts? Like, obviously, guys, the guys are probably really good OCs around the country. They might get that job. Like, I don't know. What is your expertise on, like, like is it smart to go to a school like that and, like, take it over? Like, I Well, I think Tony that. Elliott's done the, the – and Brent Venables, I think they've both done a really good job with all the success they've had. They've been very, very careful with what they've accepted. You know, they've both been finalists for jobs, both been offered jobs, and both have declined. You know, and, and they both have their own reasons on why they've done that. Um, I've spoke with both of them, you know, throughout that process privately and just for as a sounding board. And I think they're they're two really good examples of, hey, that got it pretty good at Clemson. You know, we're recruiting at a very high level. We got a lot of continuity. We got a great head coach. We got a great president. We got a great AD. This isn't a flash in the pan. This thing's got staying power, making good money. My family's here. Um, can raise my kids here. So unless it's like a no brainer, you know, I think you got to be careful. I, I, I just think there are, these jobs become available because they're hard to win you know, at those schools. And so, Indeed. you know, you got to find the right one with the right setup and then go take it. And, and Tony and, and Brent both are going to get uh, jobs. I mean, they're, they're eventually going to find the right job for them. But in the meantime, I think they're very calculated and smart with uh, with how they're being patient and waiting for the right one. In the meantime, have fun at Clemson, win a lot of games, yeah, um, yeah. and and have a, a great place to raise your family. Who else do you think around the country that may, that may get that job just off the top of your head? I think the first name that will come up will be Luke Fickle. Uh, the athletic director is from the University of Cincinnati, and he, he was here with Luke Fickle. He went out to USC just a couple years ago. His name will be the first name that will come up. James Franklin at Penn State will be a name that will be brought up quite a bit. Um, I think Matt Rule, uh, the head coach at Carolina, will be a name that some people will bring up. Um, I think Bill O'Brien, the former Houston Texans coach, who's now the yeah. offensive coordinator at Alabama, he'll be a name that will be brought up. Uh, Urban Meyer, just because any job that opens up, Urban Meyer's name uh, comes up. <laughs> Man, I hope he doesn't leave my boy. This suit, like, like hope, I hope he doesn't leave him. I don't think he will. Um, and the other thing is this, in, this hire is not going to happen until like late November or December because USC, they can't put, let's just say it's Luke Fickle. They can't put Luke Fickle, who's got a chance, by the way, to make a really fun run this year. They got Indiana this week on the road and Notre Dame next week on the road. If they, for whatever reason, win those two games, they, they'd have a real shot to be that group of five team, the first one to make the playoff. So right. he's got a lot on his plate. The last thing he needs is rumors swirling that SC's talking to Jimmy Sexton, his agent, about hiring him. So SC's going to keep everything real quiet for the next few months. Um, you have to. Yeah, out of respect for their candidates. All right, moving on. to So obviously you've been doing college game day for how long? On record, how long has it been? You've been doing college game days longer than you've been alive. Twenty six years you, this year. You, I'm about to say, you know, I'm old now. I turned twenty four in November. So yeah, that you, you're still still on point. Twenty six years, and so I've never um, 
I tailgate a little bit, but you've obviously been to some of the best tailgates. And I, I haven't had this experience the past six years, and things have changed. If you could take me to one spot anywhere in the country, um, where are you taking me to tailgate? Okay, so just for an update, I haven't tailgated myself since, like, 1986. So I see tailgating. I see it. Um, we go to some cool places. Uh, we don't, you know, we're not out there with the crowd. It looks so fun. Like I would love to be a part of that, but the, the places that look the most fun for me are LS, LSU would be the number one seed. That's what um, I heard, man. Because I mean, they, they, their campers and their, their tailgating starts like on Thursday, late afternoon, Thursday, wow. Nerf football's yeah. flying. They got the smokers going. Um, they get some crawfish. Yeah, the crawfish. Yeah, they get crawfish, all kinds of stuff. It's just great Cajun food, spicy. Um, that's a great spot. The Big Ten, it's, what's funny about tailgating, every different region has different ways of tailgating. You go up to Wisconsin, and it's brats, and it's burgers, and it's cheese meat, curds. and cheese curds. Yeah, beer. You know, you, you go to the SEC, and it's bourbon, and they, they got a smokers going. It's just such a different vibe. And the way they dress is so different. Like in the Big Ten, you know, people got big jerseys on and, you know, big baggy everything. And then you go to the South and it's like, are they going to a dance or, or are they going right, to a Everybody's football? got collared shirts and looking, looking to the nines. Like, what is happening? <laughs> it's so weird to see how different everybody does it. Uh, Ole Miss is the wildest thing you'd ever see in your life okay. at the Grove. Um, we did Alabama, who was number one in the country. Katy Perry was our, our celebrity picker. And the Grove, as far as you could see, it was just humanity. And they got these tents, these little tents that they do. And they have chandeliers hanging in them. And I mean, it must cost $50,000 to do the, the type of tailgating that they do. You can't even, I can't even describe it. It looks like a house. Like the, our cameras went inside these tailgates. First of all, the tent is not like, like a little tent like you and I would get over at Dick's. The, these are right. tent, these are tents that go on. Like there's like a room, there's a tent that goes over here. This is the kid's tent over there. It's like a house. And over here, the adult, adult beverage section over here. Here's where the chef is in the back. I mean, you're like, what is happening? Like, how do you leave here to go to the game? I would stay there for a right. week. It's like it's like a like nicer than an apartment. Um, so you just when you're done doing this, make sure you remember go to the Grove and when they're playing a big game and just take oh, that in. Yeah, you want to take that in for sure. So th yeah, th there's so many cool spots and and what's neat is the RVs that pile in uh, to all these stadiums. They come in Thursday or Friday and. You know how it is. You get six home games out of 52 weeks, and people plan their entire year around, around tailgating. From all over. Everywhere. Yeah. it's And they've had this same parking spot since 1975, you know, and they, they just – And it gets just, passed down through each generation. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool, man. That's probably the best part of college football is the sense of community, and the tailgating is obviously a huge part of that. All right, so that's outside the stadium. Inside the stadium – Best college football atmospheres. You guys have a great atmosphere. Um, I, was, I, I was hoping you would say that, you know. Yeah, no, you really do. I mean, it, it's gotten better and better. I think that one of my favorite scenes there, I did two games there that were phenomenal. Uh, the Notre Dame game. Oh, hey, I, I was the, – the, the hurricane. 
Yeah, and and Dabo said, "You got it. This is BYOG. Bring your bring own, your own guts." Yeah, yeah. That that game, and then um, I did the Louisville, uh, the the Sean uh, Lamar. I was my freshman year, so that was 2015, 2016, back to back. Those are like those monumental two, games. Yeah. Those to me were the two most. I was lucky enough to call both those. Those are the two most hyped up games um, that I called in there, and I was like, "Man, this place." is loud. This is a great spot. I'm doing the whiteout this weekend. I would put the whiteout up with anybody. Uh, when Penn State hosts a whiteout at night, check wow. it out. Um, you'll, what time's your Georgia Tech game this week? 3.30. Okay, yeah. If you get you get What's done that? you get done with the game, it starts at 7.30 or 8 o'clock. When you get done, go back to the crib and turn that one on ABC and just turn the volume up and just watch that because that's going to be wild. They put Auburn, Bo Nix, coming up sec coming up into the big 10 uh it'll be a hyped up game that's that's where game day is and but the whiteout is outstanding uh eugene oregon believe it or not it's not a huge stadium but it's built into a mountain and so the the, the crowd noise and they have one of those at the top of the stadium one of those sound reverb re, reverberators of the kind of extends at the top it kind of keeps all the noise down in there so Austin stadium at eugene i would say is is a really good spot LSU at night. I know that, you know, you guys argue over Death Valley and all that, but dude, LSU at night when they're good. Now, right now they're kind of. Yeah, yeah, but two years ago when they had the Joe Burrow and the crew. Yes, you, you, yes. You go down there and that place is electric. A&M is really good. A&M. We, play, we played at Kyle Field, um, I guess. That was, that was, the, that was the Natty year, 20, 2018. That, that was rocking. Trevor's uh, true freshman year. It was like his second yeah, game. Yep. Yeah, he came in for Kelly, threw the touchdown on a tee. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was the beginning of the end for Kelly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's my guy. But, yeah, it was it was already written. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, anyway, th those are – Ohio Stadium, if they're – Ohio State's tricky because they're spoiled, kind of like Alabama. If Ohio State's playing an opponent they fear and they're expected to be – you know, they're not favored or it's a close game – and it's like number three against number 10, you'll never find a better atmosphere. But if they're playing like a team they should win, it's just, you know, they score a touchdown. It's just kind of like, you yeah, know. Yeah, golf claps. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've gotten spoiled over the years. Uh, same, that's the same with Alabama. If Alabama feels threatened, it's electric. If not, they're just kind of like, yeah, well, don't take it personally. You know, we're up again. We scored again. You know, just kind of golf clapping it. I will say that's one thing I appreciate about our fans. And maybe I feel like each fan base is, is somewhat a reflection of the coach. You know, it's just the DNA just seeps down into the people. Our fans show up. We're playing Cyclone State. You would have thought we were playing freaking Texas A&M. That's Cowboys. awesome. That's awesome. That's I, that's rare. That's really cool. Um, and you're right. I think Davo helps create that, you know, because he's he runs down that hill. He's all about it. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't see it's a faceless opponent for him. He doesn't care. It's more about it's another Saturday at Death Valley for him. And I think the fans feed off of that. That's true. All right. So when people come onto the show, who makes the best guest pickers? I think um, the entertainers, like the people who get it. Like we had Ashton Kutcher on last week and there was just something about, you know, they just kind of have like a real like, oh, man, I don't know. You know, like just very they're not trying to like break it down they're just having fun with it and ashton kutcher did a good job of that um 
but the the the, the musicians they they come on they're really nervous you know that that's the thing you forget is we're just out here having fun but you walk on that set and you get around all those people and i think they they feel like they have to like sound like they know what they're talking about and we don't want that you know we don't we want them to just have oh man i sang a song when well, my first concert was in kansas i'm going with kansas state you know something like that right the guy who gets it is of course charles barkley he's he's phenomenal phenomenal bill murray was at clemson one time he was he was a lot of fun so i mean we the, it's just the guys that have it have, just kind of roll with it and have fun or you're the guys that usually do the best last questions as far as football goes um college football who are you most excited to see this year like it's like players uh up and coming guys uh who's caught your eye um I, I, the Iowa team has caught my eye because they play so old fashioned. You know, they keep the ball in front of them. They play zone. They fly to the ball. They're somewhat limited athletically, but they play as a group. They got a chance this year. Um, they, they've kind of caught my eye. I, I think what Oregon did, uh, was not a fluke. You know, I think Mario Cristobal has done a really good job of recruiting. Uh, I, I think Anthony Brown, their quarterback, kind of surprised me with with how well he played in that game. Their running back, you should watch him if you haven't already. C.J. Verdell, he's, he's a dude. He's a dude. He'll be an NFL guy. He's he's really talented guy. Um, yeah, and you know the Georgia team that you guys played. Their starting quarterback, J.T. Daniels, went out, so they went back to the little guy that looks like a kicker. <laughs> Stetson yeah. Bennett, and he just—he was like five for five for two hundred and something yards. It was like a video game. Um, but Georgia looks—they look real, man. They look really good. You guys may get another shot at them. Who knows? But I hope so. I, I, I honestly hope so. But we'll see how it plays out. It'd be great if you did. I mean, I think both teams would be different. Uh, obviously, by the time you played, DJ's just kind of still. Yeah, people expected him because he played against BC and Notre Dame and threw for however many yards. It was just like, no problem. Put DJ in and way. And I think it, it was a reality check on, he's still a young kid, right? I mean, his future is bright, but give him a chance to kind of get settled in and um, kind of get some reps like any human being needs. So, but can't wait to see where he is mid season in the ACC and just see where your whole offense is. I'm interested to see how Ohio State's defense responds. You know, the last two of the last three games, they've gotten destroyed by Alabama and now Oregon, and they've got to they've got to come up with some answers, or, or they could have some problems. And then I think Oklahoma's real. You know, I think Spencer Rattler, um, what he's capable of doing. I think that people kind of jumped off their bandwagon because Tulane scored 35 points on them, and everyone's like, "Oh, they're overrated." But it's just it's one game. Relax. Um, and then the last team, I'll tell you. Ole Miss, um, okay. Matt, Matt Corral. They're he's, got, he's got he's got some spunk to him. He does. He's got a little. He got a little chip on his shoulder. And their defense, man, they were the worst in the country last year. And they're they've got about four grad transfers or not grad transfer portal guys that have come in and and got them feeling a little bit better. And I don't know if they can play with the big dogs in the SEC West, but they're better. And um, and they're a wild card because Elaine Kiffin and Matt Corral, you just let's keep an eye on them uh, this year. It'd be interesting to see what they can do. I said last one, but I have to ask you, what are your thoughts on the transfer portal? Because I, I have different thoughts. I just want to know what Kirk Hertry thinks. I think it's a case by case thing. You know, I I um, I wrote a book recently 
and I talked very openly and candidly about about my five years at Ohio State. And I came in as a highly touted five star can't miss guy, and I fell flat on my face. And and for three years, I was struggling, and I was very cynical and very embarrassed and very frustrated. And you know, I wanted to quit and I wanted to go play baseball. I just didn't want to be around it anymore. And my dad didn't really, wasn't like old school, get your ass back there kind of thing. It was more encouragement, like, hey, give it another spring, kind of see where you are. And I, I stuck it out and it was it was a game changer for me. I ended up being a captain my senior year and all that kind of stuff. And and if I would have left, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know the life lessons I would have learned. Um, so I'm, it worked out for me. It doesn't mean it's the right answer for everybody, but I don't, I don't feel good that the first, it's like you, you've had to work and grind and, you know, just, just think if first time something didn't go your way, you left, right. You know, so I don't know. I'm, I'm very mixed. I, I like, that's why my answer is case by case thing. Some of it makes sense to me, but just because you're not starting or just because the coach got upset with you or just because whatever, I don't think that's a reason to leave. Um, if you, you know, so I, I, I'm, I'm mixed on that. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I would say it's interesting. It is case by case. Uh, and I'm just, obviously it's kind of ironic. So a lot of guys that leave for Clemson usually don't pan out well. But I will say some of the recent guys, like you got a guy like Hunter Johnson. I mean, when Trevor came in, as much as guys wanted to compete, like you kind of see something like that happen. It's like, all right. And then you obviously see the way it's played out. The dude was the first pick in a draft. And you're like, all right, you kind of – like what, what can you do as a backup, especially at quarterback? You can't rotate quarterbacks if you want to compete at the highest level. So you got a guy like Hunter Johnson who leaves, is doing well at Northwestern now. Uh, my friend Chaz Malusu, who just went to Wisconsin, is literally like the top ten in Russian right now. But he was behind a bunch of guys, and he would have he'd have played here, but been a contributing backup. For me, it was just like I I'd never I was like I'm at Clemson, I'm gonna stick it out, and see what happens. That's just my personal beliefs. But I I have seen guys like that just want different things or feel like they want more opportunity and. Like it's, it's worked out for a couple guys. Yeah. And, and if you're at a good culture in a good school um, and it's not going your way, as hard as it is to, to understand this, I, I would, I would say not to leave because life college football, it, it seems like when you're 18 or 19 or 20, that it's, it's everything. And it is, it should be. But as you get older, like your age, you start to see like, man, this relationship with this school is so much more valuable to me than if I would have gone to wherever and maybe had a chance to get a few more reps. So I think exactly. I think what you're saying is you're in a healthy culture. You know, I assume you like, you know, your position coach, you like your coordinator, you like the people you're interacting with. There's a lot to be said for that alone that takes a very mature mind to see that um, because sometimes all kids see it's playing time and it has nothing. That's it. That's all I care about is I want to play. And I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying it just depends on what your lens, how you view things. Exactly. And there's so much outside pressure more than ever before. So I get the, there, I get the, like the sentiment and the feeling of like, I got to go make it. But at the same time, like the big picture, I've just, I've seen guys leave good schools and they go somewhere else and play for a year, and they're really not loved to either place, so they don't really have a, a college home to come back to. And so I've seen guys not have good careers but are beloved back here at Clemson or other schools. And it's you, you know, it, and it's and that's that says that that like 
that means a lot. And maybe I, that's so good. That's such a good point, dude. Like for you, you have a home there. Like whether you're Taj Boyd or you're Darian Rencher or who anybody in between, if you pour your heart into that program and whether you're three-year starter or you never start a game, you are going to be treated the same by that world. You, that's your home. Right. You know, you, I bet you'll have a house down the road at the reserve, you know, or whatever. Like that, that's hey, your we're, place. We're going, we're hands open for that one. People like, let me, let me go ahead. Just, uh, cause some, there's people watching from all over. So just the reserve is the nice part of, uh, Clemson, um, where the, the wealthy live. Um, so hopefully I'll get a house, a house out there at some point. It's, I've been there, um, a hand, I've been there a handful of times. It's, that's a pretty cool little, you got, what's the other one? Lake Hart. Lake Kiwi. You got, you got Hartwell, you got Kiwi, you got Joe Cassie. Yeah, yeah, man, you guys, I did not, until Ty went there, my son Ty, like I, I didn't really realize, um, you know, in Ohio, lake, lakes aren't as big of a deal as they are there. I don't know if it was like where, where you grew up, but there on that campus, that's pretty cool to have all those lakes and you guys from time to time can go out there if you know somebody that has a uh -huh. boat or something like that. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's that's a mandatory thing. You come here, you got you got to find somebody who has a boat. And I've met met, met my few share of friends who have boats and jet skis and all of the above. And that's man, that's perfect. Honestly, going to the last part, I want to talk about Kirk, the dad and the person who I've gotten to know. Obviously, for those who don't know, his son uh, plays with me here at Clemson. He's a receiver. Then uh, now you also have a younger son at Ohio State. And so, obviously, last year this wasn't the case. But if we, if we still happen to play. Ohio State this year. What is going through your mind as a dad? And obviously, you're you're an alum, so you got a lot of tensions to manage there. What, what like what goes through your mind as a dad? Well, when you're doing the game, thankfully, you're so occupied with the thought of your analysis that you're not really caught up in that aspect of it. You know, before the game, um, like a couple years ago when you guys played Ohio State, I didn't have a son on the Ohio state team, but, you know, having sons on the Clemson team and being a former captain of Ohio state before the game, we, you know, we're Ohio state family. So we're having fun with it. And then even after the game, you know, Clemson won the game and they, the kids were from, you know, were excited for Clemson and my other two sons were, were heartbroken. And so there was a little bit of that, but like during the game, yeah, I just I'm locked in, man. I mean, I am completely for three and a half, four hours. It's all about analyzing you guys as players and just being fair and being objective. I, and I, for whatever reason, I don't have a hard I think because I pour so much into like, this stuff. Like this is my board for my game. It's like That's your call sheet, like your uh, broadcasting call sheet. Yeah. This no, this is Ohio State College. No, this is uh this is Penn State and, and Auburn for this week. But uh when this is done, you won't be able to see any white on it. You know, usually it's just covered with with notes. And so when you pour all, everything you got into a game, like you do as a player, you know how it is. Like your mom could be on the other side of of in a, in a uniform, and you're just doing your I'm, job. I'm zoned in. Like you don't hear eighty thousand people. I'm looking at the signal call. I'm getting a call. You know, what I mean? and it's yeah. That's exactly the best way to frame it. Is what's the call? What are we doing? Like it takes all your energy just to do that, right? That you don't have time to think about 
all the other stuff. Before the game, absolutely. After the game, absolutely. And then during, it's it's go time. All right, so we you, you alluded to the, we won in uh, 2019 and 2020. Did you – like, what did you say to the guys after we – obviously we took a devastating loss to Ohio State. Did you feel a little bit like, yeah, like I told – you know what I'm saying, flexing muscles just a little bit to the guys? No, no, no. My son Chase, uh, who's in ninth grade, he's most obnoxious Ohio State fan of all time. And he was he was of course he was crying when Clemson beat him uh out in Phoenix, out in Glendale. Right. And so it was the middle of COVID and not a lot of people were traveling and he was like in fact I got COVID like four days before that game. And so I couldn't travel. I called that game from my basement. I had about, they, had, they sent all this equipment and Chase was like, I hope you feel better. I'm going to the game. Like I, I have to go to the game. So he went, he went to the game with some friends of ours. And you remember that stadium? It was really eerie. It was weird. It you was. know, that, that um, everything was weird last year, but uh, that, that game didn't have a lot of fans. And yet he was there because uh, he had to see it. And I think Ohio State, they they put everything in the middle of a global pandemic into avenging the loss from the year before. And if you watched how they played against Alabama, it looked like that their season mission, was over. Yeah, mission was accomplished. Mission accomplished. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, but it was. Uh, I'm ne- I'm very careful not to poke um, in in the seat that I'm in. But it was. I was happy for Ohio State after the way they had lost the year before. What do you see like as a dad like? Obviously, you got. I don't know if you could take the Kirk college game day hat off, but like as a dad, you got two sons at two premier schools. Like, what's the difference in the cultures? Did you feel like? Like, it's like just when you see. I, I would you know, say. You know, I, I would say you would if you uh, did my job and you got around Ryan Day. I think you would see that they're actually more similar than they are different. Um, I don't know if I would have said that before. You know, when Urban was there, it was a, it was a very different vibe. Um, right. and Urban's very successful I and mean, he's won a ton of national championships and his, but his way is very intense, very intense year round. And with, with coach day, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, I mean, they're obviously intense, but it doesn't feel the same way. Like if you go to the facility on a Tuesday, you know, you just kind of, well, Hey, what's up, man. You know, just like I would do if I were at Clemson. And when Urban was there, it was a little bit more like, you know, is everything we allowed to come down this hallway? Is everything okay? right? You, 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 yeah, you felt a little, little tension. Yeah, not just me, everybody. You know, whether you're a player, assistant coach, like it was just a different kind of thing, and it worked. I mean, they won a ton of games, you know, with him, and um, you know, I think I think the type of people that that Ohio State recruits and the type of people that Clemson recruits, they they remind me of very similar type of guys. You know. Um, they all have hopes and aspirations of going to the NFL, but most, you know, have things. I don't know. They just there's a certain class to them. There's a certain, yeah. you know, what I'm saying like, you, I, I don't want to name schools on here, but there's certain schools that you play against probably that you're like, I don't know if he, know. I, I don't know if he would fit in on our sideline. You know what I mean? Right. Um. I'm not saying you guys are choir boys. I'm just saying, I don't know. I just sense, I, I sense respect when I'm around yeah. uh, both those teams. What do you want for both of your sons as far as the college football players? Um, 
like what's like your as a dad like what do you want them to experience in their college football journey so as a dad you want your kids to find their path and whether they play and they start or they don't play as a dad i wouldn't i don't tell my guys that but that's that's not important to me i mean i hope they play for them but I want them to be around a program where you guys get incredible people that come and speak to you, not to mention Coach Sweeney and Coach Venables and all the assistants. You get so many messages reinforced that align with my philosophies as a dad that I've taught them since they were kids. And so to hear other men pouring into their hearts about values and what's important in life, that's what it's all about. So, and learning about adversity and overcoming it and things aren't always going to go my way and still fighting through it and getting on the other side of that, that's, and if they play on top of that, great. And if they don't, I'm good. Like it's not, that's not what it's about for me. So I just want them to, to have a great experience and be a part of a great culture and, and, um, and enjoy themselves. And like, like I said, learn, learn about a lot about themselves going through tough times. It's funny um, how, like God and like how, how everything plays out. So you may not remember this. It was it actually might've been the Louisville game, my redshirt year. So I'm trying to own this podcast, walk people through just the journey of college sports. Cause I feel like a lot of people just don't know some ins and outs. And like, so I redshirted and usually you redshirt if you're not going to play right away, especially if you're a walk on. And I was this wide eyed kid who was coming to Clemson on a dream. Uh, just happened to be on a team. Like you said, I was on a scout team busting my tail, getting beat up by D1, I mean, uh, like first round guys every day, uh, just trying to trying to make the team better. Um, so 2016, you guys came and like, when whenever they come, they come to practice, uh, college game day crew, they come, come to practice, hang out. And I remember just like seeing you guys on the sideline after after like a Thursday practice, like, you know, walk through practice. And I went up to you, I'm 18 years old, introduced, you, introduced myself to you, like, hey, I'm Darren Richard. I mean, I think I asked like, what would you tell your 18 year old self? You gave me a really good answer. But just to see how, like, everything's transpired since that moment. Like, your kids come here. Um, you know what I'm saying? You, you know, like, it's, it's, it's literally crazy. Like Weird. That's crazy. I, I become friends with your kids. Uh, you become a Clemson fan. Like, you call my games. And, like, I, like there was – my grandma has never been more proud than when – I forgot which game it was. Uh, but you gave me, like, the biggest shout-out. And, the yeah, I, it was some game last year. And my grandma from St. Louis – that has she's been in like one or two Clemson games because it's so far away. She doesn't fly anymore, whatever. But she was sitting at home in St. Louis, and she was like, "This guy Kirk Herbstreit, like, like I don't know who you are." She's like, "This guy Kirk Herbstreit is saying so many nice things about you." Uh, she's like, "Baby, you're so special." So just, I just think it's That's cool. cool. Yeah, just like how, like college football is a small world. How everything comes full circle. So I just want to say thank you um, for being who you are, and obviously it's been cool just to have you on the show. Um, and lastly, just I get every guest. I'm only every guest. You're my third guest. Definitely uh, get bigger and better as we go go along. But just uh, I kind of tell people like, hey, watch it, listen to me to the show. Like you've been on it. Like uh, just whatever you want to say. Just right signing off. Well, I think your experiences. You know, you're you're you got a really interesting perspective. Um, you you've not only been through the system. Like I keep going back to, you've been paying attention. You know, for you to come up to me. That says a lot about you as a freshman to, first of all, know who I am, to have interest in that, to ask me some questions. I mean, that, that's powerful. And it says a lot about just you as a, as a person. And I think that's one example of thousands that you've had in your time that you've been there. 
And so I think you've really digested a lot of stuff, you know, whether it's listening to a, a, a speaker come and talk to you, watching Trevor at a critical fourth down and come over during a TV timeout. You're not a guy that's down there like, yeah, what's, what are we doing? Like, you're right there. You know what I mean? Like, so you, you've consumed a lot of really cool stuff. And now all those experiences, you're on the back end of those. Who knows how 2021 will end for you on, on an individual basis or, or this team. And now you've got this inquisitive mind, um, not just respectfully NIL. I think it's more about you're getting reps about maybe something you're going to do for your future. And so I think it's all kind of tied together. Um, and I, I look forward to seeing, you know, where this will go for you and, and, uh, and, and the reps you'll get. By the end of the season, we'll get to the first of the year. You and I will circle back during bowl season and you'll be like, dude, it's unbelievable. I've done 20 of these now or 30 of these now. It's so crazy. And uh, I think it's uh, it's it's the experience that you had and, and just your inquisitive mind that um, people should be intrigued by what you're going to do with this. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for coming on. Kirk Herbstreit, you guys. Yeah, so that was Kirk Herbstreit legend in college football. Um, I appreciate him taking the time to, to speak to me, to speak to us here at the Players Club. Uh, and like we do every week, uh, we're going to answer you guys' questions. And so if you have questions, send them in on any platform. Uh, we want to answer them. So here we are. Let's get into it. The mountaintops of Knoxville, Tennessee, Caleb Sparkman asked me a question. What made you decide to walk on at Clemson? On top of my head, I would say both of my parents went to Clemson. So my dad ran track in the 80s at Clemson. My mom went to nursing school. And I'm from the area. Like, I'm, I grew up 25 minutes from Clemson. So the orange and white has always been in my blood. For diehard Clemson fans, I was going to the games when there was no West End Zone. And we, had, we would take cardboard boxes and cut them up. And we would slide down the hill as little kids. I always dreamed about playing at Clemson since I was a little kid. Uh, especially when Coach Sweeney took over like during my middle school years because to see the dynasty that he built, you turn on TV and it, it seemed like they were having fun, they were winning, and just like, it was just different. Like something about it with the family feel. But I tore both my ACLs in high school. So that was, yeah, big, big bummer. I tore my left ACL after a sophomore season, which is I had a, had a really good year. So I rehab for eight months and a week before my junior season in a jamboree, like a little scrimmage game, I tear everything in my opposite knee. Like every, every L you can think of, PCL, MCL, ACL. So I missed my entire junior season. I kind of like had some smaller offers. I, I came back from my senior year and played, played well. I had some smaller offers to go to smaller schools. But in my head, I always felt like I was a division one guy. But at the same time, that, those weren't on the table. So I was like, hey, either, either I'm making a Clemson or I'm not going anywhere else. So I applied. I got it as a student. And I think it just for me to walk on a Clemson, I think just to I always pride myself on doing things at the highest level. And there's, there's no higher level in college football than playing at Clemson. And so, yeah, this is why I came to Clemson, uh, because I wanted to do these things. And I saw it happening. And then when I got here, it just took off. Like 2016, we won a championship. 2018, we won another championship. And, and all throughout that, we won every conference championship since I've been here. Like I said, luckily, I came back for a COVID year. And they let me come back. And so I'm coming back. And either I'm going to double up some fingers. Or, like I said, we may go on toes. But that would be a little weird. But at the same time. We gotta find a room somewhere. Moving on, next question. Connor Williams from Toronto, Canada asked me, how do you get through times when you feel like you're at your lowest? That can be applied to uh, many different contexts and circumstances, but I'll just give you the most recent one uh, in my life. We came up with a loss to Georgia. Obviously you want you want to win every game, but it just didn't work out that way. It's not always always reality. And so we play our first game, we lose to a top, a top five team. Make sure that's clear. It wasn't 
the regular Schmegular team. It was a top five team. That's a chance to play for the title. And, and when it's all said and done, like we really just got tested and um, and really just made you. It doesn't make you feel that good. Like honestly, like you don't make you don't really feel great after you hear all that stuff, all that negativity. But the biggest thing I say, like, what do I do in those moments? Is you got to respond. I think you always have two options. Like in in life, and this is a perfect example. Just football mirrors life in, in a lot of ways. But you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta respond. Um, and like this past weekend, I feel like we responded a good way. We bounced back. And with anything, you got to learn how to bounce back. So I would say uh, respond. And in, in, in all circumstances, you got two options. Either you can be the victim and be woe is me, or you can figure out a way to make this part of your story and it be the reason for the next success because you figure out how to manage the failure. All right, last one goes to the hometown favorite, Clemson, South Carolina. But Diane McKenzie says, do you have a favorite Clemson uniform combination? Yes, I do. I have two. I'm a big fan of Color Rush, um, so I love Military Appreciation Day. We go all purple. That all purple is, it just hits different. It's something clean about it. That all purple is like the Clemson staple. Like it just looks like royalty, you know? And you and that's always our senior day, so it's always a sentimental day. Look, so I actually go get two of these. So this is uh, actually my uniform from, from the purple uniform. Uh, we get it when you leave as a senior, but as you guys know, I came back uh, for COVID year, so I'm gonna get two of these little things. The all orange is one of my favorites as well. The all orange is like, it just looks so bold and I don't know, it just looks dope. But a little bit on our uniform situation is Coach Winnie uh, used to play Alabama. Like, it's where he grew up. He's from Alabama. But a lot of our ways have come from the way Alabama has done things or way that he was instilled. One of those things is you look at Alabama, look at our program. Like we're one of the top two premier programs that doesn't have any uniform alternations or alternatives. Home games were white pants, orange jerseys. Away games we wear white jerseys, white pants. You look at Alabama, home games they wear that maroon jersey, those white pants. <laughs> Away games they wear those white jerseys and those white pants. And the philosophy really is they like, hey, like, there's a lot of things to worry about. We're not gonna worry about the uniforms, we're gonna worry about how we play. And who's going to argue with Nick Saban or, or Dabo Sweeney on what it takes to build a winning culture? Not me. Yeah, so I spent week three at the Players Club. I want to thank my man, Kirk Herbstreit, the man, the myth, the legend. Always has wonderful insight and perspective, so I appreciate it for coming on and taking time. And then next, like, getting into week three, uh, start conference play this week against Georgia Tech. And as you guys know, like, conference play is when it really gets going, because that's what matters as far as, like, where you end up postseason, and if you get a chance to go for it, compete for your conference title. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to bringing you guys all that good stuff. And like always, guys, hey, like, subscribe, comment, share to whoever, and follow along for the journey. Seriously, it's gonna be great. Each, you can see each one, we're getting better. Getting bigger, better. We got we got microphones now. We're getting, we're getting good guests, all the above. So y'all stay tuned. Uh, that's been week three of the Players Club, a podcast by the players for the people. You guys have a good rest of your week, and we'll see you next week. Peace out.